Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, December 29th. Folks, ATP and WTA action is back in our lives after seemingly the longest month. For some of us hardcore tennis fans, we finally have the return of new play on our screens. The 2023 inaugural United Cup now officially underway. And while, of course, we will touch on that event here on today's show, we still have a little bit of off-season work to do as it is officially prediction season here at Cracked Rackets. It's time to offer some thoughts on how we see the 2023 ATP and WTA seasons unfolding. And if you're going to be offering predictions, you better have some help along the way. Thankfully, I have just that here on today's show as joining me for now an annual tradition on this podcast is the man who's going to help me determine and make predictions. Who will the top 10 American men and women be during the course of the 2023 season? Of course, you all know this guest best as a writer for the New York Times writer for Racket Magazine, host of the No Challenges Remaining podcast, but perhaps most importantly, he's tennis Twitter's most wanted felon. It's our dear friend Ben Rothenberg back on the show once again. Benny, it's been far too long. I told you I was not going to let 2022 end without having you on the show. Thank you for coming back. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. I didn't know I was a felon. That's a bit <laughs> harsh, but but otherwise doing well. Uh, you know, happy to be here. I was glad to absence hopefully has made the heart grow fonder for you as I've played hard to get uh, th- for you throughout 2022. But you said you you can't end the year without coming on the show, and I can't can't argue with that. Uh, NCR is on a bit of a hiatus currently because uh, I'm doing uh, finishing up a, or finishing up is positive framing of what I'm currently doing of, uh, of a book I've been working on this year. So hopefully. Uh, that gets done soon, and hopefully, Sarah can come back. Hopefully, by like the Australian Open, we'll see. Because um, I do miss doing it for sure. But glad to get to talk some some tennis with. It with is you. always a pleasure to have you here. And yes, it's our second consecutive year offering these predictions, so I'm calling it an annual tradition. Can I lock you in for 2023? Sure. Does it feel safe to say we'll do this pod next year? Ask me to ask again. <laughs> I, th- I, I think it's, it's be a okay. fair assessment. It's great to have you back. And yeah, why I say felon is because, as I've told you privately, the most bullets I take, and some of them feel like stray bullets, are because of my relationship with you, which, by the way, I will <laughs> always proudly defend. Listeners need to know, yes, do I think some of Ben's tweets are suspect? Who? Everyone fires suspect tweets throughout the course of the year. That said, I would not be where I am today without your embracing tolerance of my nonsense, Benny. You know I love you. If I am a Nepo baby, it's because you are my nepotism father here on this show. Aww. It is great to have you back and I have to ask before we get into things New Year season Christmas season with your last name maybe you can sneak in some Hanukkah celebration as well how the holidays look in the Rothenberg house oh fine not not bad I'm still stuck on this felon thing I'm gonna say <laughs> I feel like did you ever watch did you ever watch the uh Andy Mayberry uh, show an episode or two but I don't know it too well okay so basically like there's a guy who's like it's about you know yeah. cops back when people liked cops <laughs> and uh, or people were happier with cops sure. than now. Uh, anyway, the uh, there's like this guy who's like constantly getting locked up in the town okay. jail, in the police station, like every episode. And I feel like that's 
more my sort of level of criminality if you want to call it that on tennis twitter like there's no felon Fel- felony is like doing like one bad yeah. thing or like some major i don't i think i've just accrued in the eyes of tennis twitter like a cvs receipt <laughs> worth of of misdemeanors i don't think really there's one felonious thing maybe i'm wrong but uh i think it's just I, when people when people try to you know on reddit or whatever try to explain why they feel so strongly about me they usually can't point to something that's what right i away. always anyway, say is all that no, being for the record, said, beautifully said you're absolutely right it's a petty crime it's just a long list of petty crimes it's like how now weed is legalized in ann arbor so if you get pulled over with it whatever it is it's like a speeding ticket it's no longer a full-on crime or a misdemeanor or all these different things you just got to go pay whatever not that this has happened to me but i'm pretty sure it's you go pay the 50 uh-huh. bucks whatever it may be yeah you're you're the <laughs> the king of petty crime on tennis twitter is that a more fair assessment I, I, again, I don't know. I think people can, in 2023, a New Year's resolution can be just to reconsider why you feel this strongly about things. Anyway, yeah. I don't really care. Uh, but just being called a felon off the bat was auspicious. All right. So uh, ho- holidays were okay, fine. Good. Uh, my sister came down from, from Boston, brought her dog. Uh, who does, my, my dog here hates all dogs. <laughs> so it was like constant tension. Humans were fine. The canine tension was next level throughout. Um, that was sort of the soundtrack in the general uh atmosphere of the holidays and yeah i had, had a nice time looking forward to uh resetting a bit for the 2023 season this is a fun fun exercise and enjoyed looking back on what we did last year also i will say because I, I compiled that what was that yesterday uh look listen back to the 2022 show uh, which started off on a with a long sort of rant by me <laughs> as as it could with about which is which i think is still a useful place to start in some ways about defining what like success was for american men because you started by saying how great 2021 was for American men and how it was like undeniable like success. And I sort of was pushing back on that a bit. Uh, this year, I think for the men, definitely has to be great. It is success for sure. Mm-hmm. Like you get, you know, a new Masters champion and Taylor Fritz who makes it also as an alternate, but pretty close to being direct into uh, the year in championships. Francis Tiafo getting one set from a slam final. That slam final is the big elusive thing. It's not since 2009, and then obviously a slam champ after that, but even just a final would be a big deal for American men's tennis. Uh, it's been a long time. So anyway, good year for American men. Women, uh, pretty good too. Not amazing, but pretty good. And uh, yeah. No, I, we will adjudicate all of those things later on here in this show. Is 2022 a success for the women? I think that answer is pretty clear on the men's side. I'm glad to hear there is no tension between the humans in the Rothenberg house this holiday season. Since I know she will listen to this show and she'll get mad at me for bringing this up, I'm just going to throw it in here anyway in the holiday spirit. Last night, there was some serious human tension at the dinner table at the Gruskin household, and it's because my lovely oh my. mother, lovely, the biggest fan we have here at Crack Rackets. There is no one I love more in this world than my mother, of course. She, in later in life, has developed a cooking, you know, the ability to cook. She was not able, and she's, by the way, why would she be able to cook early in life when she was busy being an ob She had serious things to take care of as opposed to cooking meals for us kids. But later in life, it's become one of her passions, and she has gotten exceptional at cooking. Every so often, though, she throws in a dud. And last year, uh, last night, there was just this eerie silence as we were all eating this mysterious fish dish that she put together for us. And 
again, I love my mother. So I, I start out the rant. I go, mom, you know, I love you, right? You know, I'm your number one fan, all these different things. I go, mom, this recipe needs to be put in the trash can and killed and never seen for again. And it broke the tension. And then it was just a lovely, lovely night where we're all having fun. We're all cracking jokes and yeah, oh, in that good. spirit, hopefully, much like the Rothenberg house, much like the Gruskin household, everyone is enjoying this holiday season. With that said, we want to offer predictions for our top 10 Americans entering 2023. Before we do that, as you mentioned, No Challenges Remaining is on a hiatus as you finish up your book. And No Challenges Remaining is a podcast near and dear to my heart as there were many moons spent bussing back from Central Campus to North Campus back in 2013, 2014, listening to you and Courtney pontificate on all sorts of things related to tennis on the show. With that in mind, I want to offer you the opportunity to go on a patented Rothenberg monologue here to start the show because, of course, we have a new event to kick off this 2023 season. United yeah. Cup in Australia, bringing together some of the best men, some of the best women together onto single teams. It's a reminiscent, of course, of Hopman Cup in the past. With that said, I don't have a question for you. I just open up the podcast, my friend. Your reaction, your thoughts on all things United Cup. Well, look, I, you say that the best women, best men thing, and that's sort of true. But like my sort of l- lasting impression of looking at this roster of people, it's just it's incredibly uneven. This product of what they're delivering with 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 United Cup, and I still does not roll off the tongue <laughs> yet. And it's just strange to me how it's it's what it is. I mean, like, I don't understand how Hotman Cup, which I went to a couple times, it was not a great tournament to cover necessarily because it was not ATP or WTA. And so press wasn't mandatory for players. And that's one of the things they actually entice players with is you don't have to do press when you come here. And so they were very reluctant to give interviews. Anyway, that's kind of maybe too much inside <laughs> baseball. You really like to work hard. Even when I was working for like, you know, the New York times, or whatever, like I had to like really like, uh, finagle interviews and time to talk to people. Uh, but there were some great moments. It ended on a really, really high note in 2019 with the Serena versus Federer match. Um, and then uh, Federer and Benchich winning a, a sort of thrilling deciding point in a deciding tiebreak against Zverev and Benchich in the final. Zverev and Kerber. So it went on, on a high. Kerber, right. Zverev and Kerber, that's right, yes. Uh, yeah, against the Germans. <laughs> so anyway, so it was eight teams of two people each. And the people also played... Uh, singles and doubles and you look at the so if you've seen any images from press conferences or these benches of these teams they're enormous there's like so many people on these teams and you wind up because they do this weird thing this this following a lot of the atp cup qualification rules where you get in based on the strength of your top player and so many of these teams have gotten in with like in a couple like the most like sort of obvious examples this are like norway gets in with uh Casper uh, Rude as a top five player, and then has no one else in the top like uh, 300 maybe on the team. And so then you're left with this situation because they made it 18 teams and played across three cities. So it's only in these huge stadiums. It's only in the main arena in Perth, the main arena, uh, Pat Rafter Arena in Brisbane, and Ken Rosewall Arena in Sydney, where you get these players who are really not marquee players on any level being presented as players in marquee matches and i'm sure were not cheap tickets and i just think it's a very i was i honestly was sort of i don't say morbidly fascinated but i was curious because there was this match last night in sydney where the australian team uh because savile is hurt has some does not have a lot of depth on the women's side right now and so 
they had Zoe Hives, who is ranked like in the 700s. On, you got a protected ranking, which a whole different sort of conversation. She used a protected ranking to leapfrog a bunch of other players to get a guaranteed starting spot on the Australian team. Anyway, she's going out there ranked like 700-something. She's lost a lot of matches lately. She lost three times in 2022. I was looking at her activity. Three times to unranked players in 2022. Like, this is just not a top-level player right now. And yet she is, like, the main attraction on Ken Rosewell Arena, the biggest stadium in the biggest city in Australia, like, and she's playing against Katie Swan, who's, like, ranked around 150 or so. And it's like, this is a night match in Sydney? Like, how? Like, it's just, a, it's a weird dilution of stuff. And so as much as I want, like, I, I've been saying for, for a long time that tennis does not make enough of its unique value proposition as being a men, men's women's sports and having both of those, both of those products accepted and on pretty even footing uh, compared to almost any other sport, any other major sport. Like, this is just, it's too big. I'm looking at this, like, spreadsheet of names people in it. There's too many names. Like, as much as it's kind of, and people will say, like, oh, it's cool to get to see someone yeah. obscure. Like, in theory, but, like, it's like you're it's like you're watching the play-in games of March Madness instead of actually, like, you know, when it should all be, like, Sweet 16 caliber at this point, I think. And, and, and like, if you're a local, it on TV, it might be okay as a product. But if you're, like, a local fan, especially in Brisbane, I think you got really hosed. Because there's just some really, really subpar matches being put on that court. And also, it's just not as fun to go to a tournament there's only one court in action. It's fun to go to a tournament and get to go to the outer court, see, you know, four matches going on at a time, things like that. Uh, I think I think it's a da- I think tennis in Australia was better in 2019. So, I think everything since then has been been worse, starting with ATP Cup and including so, uh, no, a, a couple of things I would follow up on there. You mentioned the stadiums and the fact that there is only one match. I want to start there because certainly we have both yeah. been to events where it's very cool to see the grounds packed. At the same time, there are certain stadium matches where the atmosphere feels empty, where it feels like there could be more energy given from the crowd, more energy for yeah. the environment. I loved last night's environment. And the fact that there are the only the one matches, so everyone is forced to focus on the action. To your point, like, did Papa Mikhail versus Shinikova move the needle from a ratings perspective? Maybe not. But it was great to see the stadiums packed. And I did think you could feel the energy of everyone being focused on one match. I kind of liked that aspect of the event, Ben. That's fair. No, and that's, that's actually a really perfect example of a match. There's, like, two players... I, I think that would not be – I don't even think Shinikova would get into slam qualities currently based on her ranking. Like, that is – and she's on the Bulgarian team. Like, that is a match that would not be – could not even be a slam qualities match. Like, I just I just think it's – like, I want to keep – like, say, like, and tennis is a hierarchical sport in terms of product, right? And once you're getting into the sort of, like, Perth Arena or that RAC, I think they call it – I don't know what that is, a sponsor. Now, arena for that venue, like, it's supposed to be something pretty – pretty marquee and in hotman cup you occasionally get a country where it was like i remember i was there in 2012 first time i went to hotman cup and it was caroline wozniacki um for denmark and she brought freddie nielsen with her who no one had heard of at this point it was before he won wimbledon doubles uh actually maybe the same year maybe a year later it was pretty close to anyone wimbledon doubles anyway um and so freddie nielsen would kind of be out there being overmatched and playing like marty fish and whoever else was in that group i can't remember uh burditch i'm pretty sure it's in that group and uh you know that was an occasional sort of mismatch although he did play above above his ranking for sure in that on that stage but anyway uh yeah it's just it's just too much i i, I think the the five the five leg matches five rubber wait wait five rubber ties 
use the Davis Cup terminology. I, it's too much for this format. I think 18 teams is too much. I think it's already too big. And I don't think it needs to be in three cities. I think that's just, just like, it's 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 not a World Cup. Tennessee, stop trying to think it's the World Cup. It's not. <laughs> I, I see your not. point. I liked the Perth crowd. I liked the Sydney crowd. I liked, oh, yeah. Oh, the crowds were great. The crowds were great. I just I just wonder, honestly, if it will sustain sitting there in Perth. Well, yeah, if I'm sitting there and I'm, I spent I don't know how much money on their tickets being like, uh, was this good value sure. for the amount I paid to get to watch? And no disrespect to them, because I know everyone who has a ranking is a good player, and these are obviously top 300 or whatever mm-hmm. players. But to get to watch Papa Mikhail versus Shinikova, which is like not a manager match at a sure. 250, you know, like that's I think that's tough. And that's a tough product to be offering people. At You're that right. Price. The glass half full perspective would be at least those two players get to experience that sort of atmosphere, which they wouldn't for have the had. Players, yeah, it's fine. I, for the players, it's for the players. For the players, it's a good deal. But I just I think for Fair. as a product, no, I, TV especially in person. I hard to push you. back on that. I will say the energy on the players' side, like to see them all fired up, to see the team atmosphere, to see who's the British guy, Leon Smith or whatever his name is, going all in on that Nori Demon Hour match was just absolutely delightful. And again, this is a good chaser to work our way, in my opinion, back into the, you know, meat and potatoes that is the week in, week out grind of the ATP WTA seasons. Um, I, I enjoyed last night's action. Again, Alex Gruskin enjoyed tennis is not breaking news. I don't think any listener is going to be shocked yeah. to hear that fact, but I reserve, I, I'm waiting to watch it all play out to wait to see the drama of the final rounds. Wait to see if we, you know, to your point about how big the benches are, you're, you're like, I saw Dennis Kudla on the U S bench and Dennis Kudla is a dear friend yeah. of the show. And I was like, DK got the call onto the bench. Like how did they make, I, I just, I, I would like to know more about the process who agreed to play, who agreed not to play. It does feel there are some strong women's names. I don't want to throw them out. I thought the benchage Putin seven match last night was actually really, really fun. Um, but it does feel a little more men's heavy than on the women's side right now. Like I, yeah, like Papa Mikhail was, well, think, was playing, but I saw Sakari on the bench. So that, that confused me a little. Well, so this, this is the dilution yeah. I'm talking about because yesterday was, if I'm getting this right, was all women's number two matches. Oh, and so, and so the women's number twos were playing. Mo- I think that's mostly okay. right. And so tomorrow, or, or the next day, I didn't even know there were women's like twos. Soccer? No, no, no. There's oh. two. There, there's four singles matches, and they're each getting. That's why. That's why you're getting the likes of, um, you know, Papa Mikhail playing because Soccer in 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 Hotman Cup it would have just been sets of House and Soccer, and they're the number one seeds, and that's great. But because of this number two, you're going to get some Papa Mikhail and some Pervola Rockets, <laughs> and those of us who watched ATP Cup have come to enjoy uh, Pervola Rockets, sure. who who. Stefanos, who always anglicizes all the names, always calls Mike. Um, uh, he, uh, you know, Pervola Rockets is, I think, has a one and eight okay. record in uh, in ATP Cup. I looked this up yesterday, and he his one win came against uh, the time when Georgia yeah. qualified, and then Basilashvili sure. dropped out. So it was like uh, the other, the younger Metrovelli and whoever the number two yeah. was. It was rough, so, and and just <clears throat> that's the thing. So like in the press rooms when I've been in Australia. In 2020 and 2022, like they would just have a big TV up on the wall that would just be showing constant ATP cup. And there are sometimes when you look up, you just go like, who, what? And it's just, it's a disconnect. It's a very uneven product. I think it can do with a lot of editing, can be a lot tighter. Much um, like this podcast. But the idea, but, but just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the idea of seeing like, you know, just like seeing bants between like Madison Keys and Tiafo like on the bench, that was great. Like there's like, there are unique things that happen in these mixed competitions that are the magic of it. 
but it's just also like it could be with due respect to like a lot of these teams like it should be much smaller no very well said and again we will save i reserve the right for the full complement of thoughts for when the event actually ends we see it all unfold uh certainly it was nice to watch an event play out and not have to see countless tweets on my feed about the court color being an issue moving forward i'm glad we've gotten that straightened out at least oh, yeah, yeah for wild. the united cup but again any final thoughts one yeah. other what i've one other because i think you i don't know if you used it on air but just several times before we start recording on nepo okay. babies <laughs> atp cup king nepo baby <laughs> event as i look at two because the cat the, the top ranked players get to pick the captains yeah. right so they just pick whoever stefano titsipas picked Petro Sitsipas yeah. to be the captain. Elite. Uh, Alexander Zverev picked Misha Zverev. Like, this just, it just looks jokey. Like, I'm going to pick my brother to get this job. Like, I mean, come on. Like, Alexander Bublik picked himself. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like, <laughs> Grigor Dimitrov also picked himself. Uh, and I think there's some sort of money that goes with that. It's in there pocketing a check for being captain. So, good. It, it's, there's some good scams yes. going on. That's all I'm going to oh. say. And it, 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 there's, there's a strong scamming culture. <laughs> In 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 this in this Australian tennis moment, I feel like and selling tickets for some of these matches and making people's brothers the captains is just it's great. It's fit on a pure scamming level. I I respect. This it. is why I need you back, Ben, on this show at least once a year because your uh, eye for the keen details that the listeners need to know about that's delightful. I thoroughly enjoy that. When no. when when I saw that Petros yeah. about, <laughs> Apostolos had been the captain previously. Yeah. But now that Petros is the captain, it's it's, it's I, I I I'm all for Petros. Let the record show: if I was the best player on Team USA, I would absolutely be picking probably my younger brother. No, I'd pick my older brother Eric because I'd be too afraid of what Eric would say if I picked my younger brother Nicholas, who, by the way, making his Great Shot Podcast debut uh, here today to preview our preseason number three men's college tennis team, the University of Michigan Wolverines, Ben. So just a little excuse Ooh. for you to go check out the Great Shot Podcast. But with that in mind, again, United Cup aside. What I brought you on the show to do here today, continue the annual tradition of predicting our top 10 Americans to end the season. Now, of course, before we do that, we've got to adjudicate the 2022 results. And we almost got into it before the podcast started. I had to scream, shut up, Ben, shut up before we did it so we could save it for the podcast. Let's get into it. I kicked your ass on the men's side. Now, I will eat all the no. bowls of no. crow that people are giving me for picking Ken and one, Lee two on the women's side. Sorry that I like to be creative, folks, and make these podcasts interesting for all of you listeners. But we I posted this yesterday on Twitter. Listeners can go see what the results were. I got the top four men's names right, even if they weren't in the right order. I got Nakashima exactly right. As the eighth-ranked American, Opelka Isner, I flipped. Now, I want to give you some credit for picking two of the correct Bruins, Giron and Cressy. But I kicked your ass on the men's side, Benny. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, no ass kicking, <laughs> lots of buts. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, like, it, this is pretty, like, I think, so when I did this, for, I did this for years with Ricky, and it's actually really hard to come up with a scoring system to grade, like, to, like an objective scoring metric to grade this, like, how much you want to miss by, because, like, sometimes, like, it's a really wild miss, like, titanically bad. I think he did that once, where it was, like, you subtract the finishing thing from, like, the predicted thing, and like, there was one year where, like, Brian Baker, I remember, got injured at the Australian Open, didn't play the rest of the year, and we both had him, like, somewhere in our top ten, and he was like a huge minus then. Like or Marty Fish, I think, also like shut down a season after some point and, and became a huge, huge minus. Um Kenan, we'll get to how big a minus <laughs> that was for you in a bit. But um 
You did. I I think you probably win on most scorecard, but it's not. It's not an ass kicking. It's comparable. I had gear on, and you did not. And I had him at number ten. If you want to be exactly number ten, like you're getting all excited <laughs> about your Nakashima eight for eight. Well, like, so for the deal. record, I um, got nine of ten names correct on the uh, uh, eight of ten names. Excuse me, correct on the men's side. You actually got nine of ten names correct on the men's side. Oh yeah, sounds like my ass was but, really uh, kicked. But directionally, yeah, wow. I crushed you. Directionally, come on. Okay, but so we did some similar yes. things though, right? So we both had. We both had Corda and Tiafo ahead mm-hmm. of Fritz, and Fritz finished number one. Corda was the disappointment from both of us. I had him number one. You had him number two. He finished number four. Honestly, I got to say, when I was looking at this, I was surprised that Corda was as mm-hmm. high as number four because I was really disappointed by his year um, in a lot of ways. I think he, I think I expected much. Obviously, I had him number one. I expected a lot more from him than we got, but you know that he's still number four is, is interesting. Uh, Cressy was a brilliant pick for me. Let's remember Cressy. Hold on was like way outside Hold the top thought. 10 when we made Round of lists. applause, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, on the Ben Rothenberg Cressy pick. You were on that from the get-go. You. you deserve Thank all you. the credit in the world. You're absolutely right. You nailed and told, that. And I also reminded you about it throughout yeah. the yeah. year. <laughs> Anytime Cressy did anything, I was like, hey, look who had Cressy. Me. That's right. I have it seven. And I think he started the year at, like, I want to say, like, 14, yeah. 15. Like, he was, like, maybe mm-hmm. even lower. He was pretty far outside the, the top 10. Um, and he finished as number five. And I, and I listened back to the episode to make these little charts. I even specifically said on the episode, I could see Cressy winning a grass 250. <laughs> and what does he do? He wins a grass 250, the 250th of 250s in Newport, um, which was really sad because Bublik was on the <laughs> trophy term. Anyway, but uh, good for Cressy. Uh, I definitely underestimated Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul, um, I had at eight. You had at four. He finishes three. Um, so I, that was definitely what my biggest sort of miss. And then... I I don't give myself too much blame for Opelka, who was playing at a pace to finish probably top three, easily top three of the Americans, and then got injured uh, and didn't play the second half of the season, or I forget exactly when his season shut down. But uh, he, yeah, he, I had him at two, and and that's not a pick I'm at all upset by. We both overestimated Brooksby. Brooksby, I had it four, you had it five, he finishes nine. Again, a tough thing to predict because he was doing great first quarter of the season, and then he hits a line judge or something, and and makes a really weird apology <laughs> video uh, from the bushes and kind of loses the, the the classic Brooksby mojo from then on. So we, he's been going to a lot of Sacramento Kings games. Hopefully he's getting the mojo back. He does no points to defend in Australia. He's a tricky one to actually place in this list. Um, anyway, so I think that's basically my recap of, of what we had there. Oh, and then obviously we both had faith in Stefan Kostov yeah. that didn't pay off. We both had him on our list, but no regrets. I cannot begrudge yeah. us doing that. No regrets <laughs> on that whatsoever. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I think we, I think I think it was not... I think it was cl- it was not a yeah. kicking compared to what we saw on the women's side. I think if you want to, if you want to big up yourself for the men, if you need that right now, like okay, that's fine because now we're gonna go to the women's okay. list and well, see it's starting. Just, just quickly on the men's side, shocking. I'm pretty impressed with how many yeah. names we got correct because this is such a difficult we got all the exercise. Names. We didn't yeah, miss that's anyone. What I'm saying. Between it, us, we got all ten, which is really really good. Like overall, like I think we both did really well on this. Like, both of our lists are very credible, good lists. And I think we should be happy with that. And yeah, getting all ten is even with two with two ballots, not yeah. easy. So good yeah, workouts. directionally, again, everything felt pretty right. The only big name we really missed on your right is Brooksby finishing as high. We had him higher, and he finished a little bit lower. Still top fifty though, right? Nine top fifty Americans, and we had each of them on yeah. our list. They're so tightly packed exactly. too. Like I just don't think there's a huge amount of difference between uh, 
between getting someone even like third versus like mm-hmm. seventh. I mean, that's not that much range. No, there, absolutely. So. Well said. Yeah. Uh, I think it is pretty impressive that I got Nakashima exactly eighth. So shout out to me for getting that one eighth. But I got Giron exactly yeah, that, tenth. And I like, think it's impressive. Shout, uh, not as impressive as Cressy. I'm not, I'm not and by impressed. the way, I know you don't listen to the shows throughout the course of the year. I know the May 27th mini break podcast. I still have the Patreon yeah. feed. It, it gives me 20 push notifications a day. You are well, so prolific. Well, that's because you're the best, Benny. But I want you to know that in multiple podcasts, I refer to the group chat that you, myself, David Kane are in, which is called I Was Right, You Were Wrong. And let the record show, Max Cressy was a common topic in that group chat throughout the course of the year. I was Deservedly right. I was so. Right. Now let's talk about maybe some of the things I didn't do particularly well. I can see the women's side to you. And what again, I will take all the I have received on those Kennan picks, on the Ann Lee picks. I actually don't feel that bad about Ann Lee and or about both of them really in particular because injuries played a bigger role than I expected. But you're shaking your finger. Again, give it to me, Ben. I deserve it. The the Lee pick was a little over enthusiastic, <laughs> but had a had a had a sort of reason behind it. Like she had finished twenty twenty one really strong was playing well trending up there was no one honestly this was a tricky list for the women and we kind of gave it short shrift on the show last year which we spent so long on the men um but it was a tricky list to do and you know lee i had her at six you know and 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 that was i thought already a little generous and you went above that with two but there was no one on this list we looked at and said like what a juggernaut i will also say like um Listening back to it, you have Collins at four, which was very lucky she finished at four. You had completely <laughs> forgotten Collins on your initial list until I said her when I at number eight. And you're like, wait, I forgot <laughs> Collins. Let me throw her in here somewhere and completely <laughs> had landed her uh, at number four. So asterisk, I mean, you get the points, but it's a lucky shot for sure uh, to, hit, to hit Collins at number four like that. Uh, yeah, I had Nisimova. You didn't have Nisimova. Uh, I actually, in the show, I said Kennan at nine. Kennan, lest you forget, was number one of the Americans when we started this. So that is maybe some context, but why? But I could tell and and just know things that that Kennan was a was a a, a falling sure. star, let's say poetically, like just the like Tesla stock downhill of, of last year in American no, women's yes, tennis. Yes, exactly, exactly. And you know, and and so I, I said in the show, I'm gonna put her at number nine just to acknowledge she exists. <laughs> Like, I don't want to take her totally off the list. But I was like, I don't even feel great about her at nine. And then you said, you have her at nine. I have her number one. <laughs> like, and it was a, a wild moment. And she finishes, to, to wrap up, at 33 <laughs> in the American list. 33 for Sophia Kennan. So I think I think you having her as number one is immediately knockout, punch, game over. self yeah. Swing and hit yourself. It's not the best face. look for me. And then the rest of it, you know, I had I had Sloan at number one. She finished at six. That's I, that's not great. It's not di- that dissimilar from what I did. Well, Corda was one to mm-hmm. four. Not nearly as bad. We Unlike the men, we missed three women who finished. Uh, and all veterans, actually. We, we, we undercounted veterans. We missed veterans. two. Brangle. Uh, Allison Risk had a really big. We missed Brangle. We missed three. Risk and Brangle, Risk, and yeah. Para. So Risk had a big bounce back season after having really struggled since the pandemic. She had a really she finished his top fifty. That was a really big bounce back year for her. Good good year for her. Um, hadn't banked on that. I overbanked a little bit on Shelby Rogers, who had a really good twenty twenty one. She didn't quite stand that. She I had her at five. She finished as nine. You had her at nine. Uh, I had Keys at four. She finished as a three. You had her at ten. Uh, and yeah, and and Para came out of kind of nowhere. I think she had a really good one run. stretch at yeah. Wimbledon. 
yeah, like no one saw that coming and, and I don't know how people actually watched it even when it <laughs> happened, but it was, uh, honestly, but it was, a uh, so she's an interesting one to keep track of for, for this year. I don't, don't totally know what to make of her. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting field and looking forward to, uh, no, absolutely. I would point, I would point out who got more things exactly correct throughout the course of the year. This guy, I got two women exactly correct. Collins at four. Shout out to you for reminding me about Collins. Rogers at nine. Exactly. Again, though, I concede you beat me in the women's exercise. And as such, I locked in on my women's list this year. I was like, I will not lose the women's list to Ben this year. See, that's funny because I feel like I got kind of goofy on yeah. my women this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this Good. plays out. I did some, there's, a, there's a lot of options, man. Like mm-hmm. it's like, it's, a, it's, it's not, it's not a very clear hierarchy. Once you get anywhere, honestly, there's not even like a really clear alpha. I think women's tennis well, right this- now. This is why this exercise is so So, fascinating to me, because right now there are 14 American women inside the top 100. I'm not going to read them all off for you listeners. I'm sure we will mention many of them in the course of our predictions. But with that in mind, let's get into it. And again, I think people know where to find you on Twitter. They know where to find me if they're listening to this podcast. Certainly let us know who you think won each of the exercises. You can see the chart, the tweet on my Twitter feed, on Ben's as well as he hit me with the retweet. It's always nice to get a Ben bump to end the season. The followers appreciate it. But you mentioned last year we started with the American men. That's poor manners by me. I've matured over the course of the past year. Ladies first is what we're rolling with here on today's show. And before we get into any specific predictions, look, it's time to acknowledge what has been widely discussed, certainly, but feels more present now than maybe ever. We're in the post-Serena Williams era. She has officially announced her retirement, right? And over the course of the past two decades, a Williams sister has always been able to carry on the back all other American women, all other performances from the Americans within the WTA Tour. Now, this year certainly feels like the year that is absolutely not going to happen. Even if Serena does pop out of retirement for a hot second and play a match or two during the course of the season, this year in American women's tennis will certainly not be defined by Serena Williams. And with that in mind, again, 14 Americans inside the top 100, 14% of the top 100 comes from America. You look inside the top. That's Michigan yes, Mass Shout right out That's to good. us. That's you good. look right now, uh, two of the top 10, 20%. There we go, Benny. Inside uh, of the top 10 are Americans as well in Jess Pagula, Coco Goff. Four of the top 15, nearly a third of the top 15 Americans when you add Keys and Collins as well. With that in mind, you look back on 2022. Do you consider it a successful season for American women's tennis? So it's a really interesting question. And I think that, like, on an individual level for a bunch of these women, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, we both had in our predictions, we both had Pagula at mm-hmm. three. And she finishes it at one, and she had an unreal year. I mean, like, she took advantage, for sure, of what was a bit of an interregnum, sure. of, of some space in the draws, to be clear. It was kind of, it was the Barty tour, and then it was briefly, and then it was a Sviantec tour. And on those margins, Pagula really maximized, I think, what you can do, and was an incredibly consistent player. Like, played a lot of singles and doubles, and just is such an admirable pro on so many levels. And wins her thousand uh title in in guadalajara that was a pretty solid jaw she went through there uh, to get there qualifies for the year-end championships in fort worth and singles and doubles like huge huge props to her like to start with that and then coco golf uh continues what's been a low-key very steady trajectory you know making it to her first slam final again taking advantage of a fairly easy draw to get there 
but being ready in the moment someone has to make it and she did she got up to a high of four at some point in the year finishes at seven uh yeah madison keys and danielle collins uh are the three and four in that order and they uh collins know, made a had deep freaking slam semi-final or final excuse me she was exceptional a final so keys made the semi yeah. of that tournament and then collins made the final and then golf made the final of the french open so there's this interesting thing with american women's tennis right now where since the start of the 2018 season um the american women have been in the grand Slam final 10 times wow which is unreal but they've only won one of them they have a one and it was nine record in those of finals. all people and it was yeah. canon. And so, like, and so that's just a weird stat sure. to kind of wrap your head around. Like, that's kind of Atlanta Bravesy. <laughs> like, okay, you keep making it, but you're losing this much. Like, it, at some point, I think and I'm going to put the bar here with a number three and a number seven and two more in the top 15, if you want to say that. I think the bar for this year for the American Women is yeah. a slam. I think, I think American Women should win a slam. I think enough of these finals, a lot of finals happening. And obviously, they're all great on an individual level. You know, like Jen Brady making a final fantastic collins making a final fantastic golfing a final fantastic golf at 18 too i should keep repeating that like it's incredible what she's done in her career it's it's outrageous and all that being said like for, for a country with the tradition of of winning that american women's tennis has like you know time for we're, we're you know it's time it's time to get some more some more That's hardware that's just kind of where the bar is. For no, I, I appreciate because that was going to be my follow-up question is what is the litmus test for success in 2023? I'm not going to say a slam title, but I need a 1,000 level event. I need at least one title out of Coco Golf. Oh, you got that this year. I mean, we, we Pagula won 1,000 in 2020. She won what, Guadalajara? Yeah, won at Guadalajara. the end of the year. But like at the very end of the year, which was a good feather in the cap for her and well-deserved considering I think she made eight yeah. quarterfinals at you know of the 11 major events that are on the schedule. She was exceptional. I agree. In a vacuum, you could point to a lot of these names and say, you had a great 2022. You had a great 2022. It, it was not yeah. a bad year. Like, it was just not a bad year for American Women's Tennis at all. Solid like, it was is not. the word but that like, comes I'm to I'm just mind. saying – but as you know, in, in sort of you know Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross yeah. type talking, you, you have to not get as explicit as that. But like, just keep yeah. improving. You know, like not, matching what you did this year is not going to be success to me. Ooh. Like, let's go a little bit above and beyond, especially with some of these younger well, players. So that would be. I don't want to. I don't want to freight. I don't want to freight golf with too much. But like golf, Anisimova. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Parks, some of these younger players. Who I know you're on keep, that keep bandwagon. Making, keep, keep making. Keep making moves. Yeah. Keep no, moves. I agree. We'll yeah. find out. We'll find out with my list if I'm on yeah, the I agree with you in the sense that I would like to see that same if I see the exact same level of success, but instead of coming from Pagula, Keys and Collins, it comes from Anisimova, Parks, and like McNally is just another name to throw out there. That to me is a step forward. It means all the young players got a little bit better, that they all took another jump in the rankings. Obviously Coco Goff's the exception to the rule because she's seven in the world at eighteen, and we'll get into Coco Goff, I'm sure, yeah. at some point in this exercise. I threw my dad under the uh, my my mom under the bus. I'm going to throw my dad under the bus real quick. You mentioned the Atlanta Braves. I now refer to my dad as a post-prime Greg Maddox. I go, Dad, you're not hitting 95 <laughs> miles per hour anymore. That's just not your speed. But you hit the strike zone wherever you want at any time. And so it's actually a compliment. You just mean in life? Yeah. What, what, no, what, where at, you in fatherhood. Father? I'm like, Dad, you're in your post-Greg Maddox like okay. por portion of your career, post-prime, where it's just like you don't need to yell at us anymore like you did when you were younger. But, like, you know, like – I got to give him a stern, like, do this. Nope, it's tax season, Alex. Send me your W-2. You know, like that sort of thing. Um, he, he's very much in the zone. It's just a post-prime Greg. I think, by the way, it's a good comparison. Look, that 
any era, Greg Madden's pretty good. And just knowing how to win when you're not at your exactly. doing, be effective when you don't have all the raw skills. Sure, absolutely. So we're going to see that with some of these players. Let's say, some let's scholars have argued, Benny, you are in your post prime Greg Maddox era of podcasting. That 2014 year. I'm over yeah. the hill already. Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> good. Fair. Smack talk has begun. All right. With that in mind, you hear Benny doing his directing. That's why it's always great to have him back. Let's get into our top 10 Americans. I give you the first pick. You can start at one. You can start at 10. Where do you want to begin this list? No. We're absolutely starting at 10. No one starts at one. That's crazy. <laughs> um, let's let's start. So I have some honorable mentions, but I don't know if they're going to be on okay. your list. So I have save them. six honorable and mentions I, as well. So this is good. And I have, then I have people who are like, I don't have. I want to explain okay. why I don't have them. But who are not we'll do that honorable. at the end. Anyway, I'm starting up. I'm starting off pretty spicy, actually. Um, I'm, I'm, I take a little, few more swings here. I'm starting with uh, a woman who is currently in the American roster. Where is she? Okay. She's currently number 32 on the, lo- on the ladder, who is Robin Montgomery. Ooh, great case. Make it. And uh, she's part of the absolute uh, juggernaut that is DC tennis. Here we coming go. through. Uh, DC is absolutely going to run the world. It's going to be the new Switzerland, <laughs> as we've discussed. I've talked with people here in terms of similar po- DC metro area, similar population in Switzerland, uh, going to have the same sort of per capita success. Ron Montgomery, US Open junior champ last year, uh, also won an Orange Bowl when she was real young. She's still only 18. She's ranked 220 currently, has had some big success, been under the age rule for most of her career. Uh, she is, yeah, she's. I think great talent and you know I wanted to pick some spicier picks for this list this time mm-hmm. and and she was someone who I just I believe in her talent I don't know if I, I think maybe it's too high a bar to set for 2023 but like I just am I'm basically making this pick and she's one spot ahead of Ken and I see <laughs> um, uh, at 32 um, she she's yeah I, I I think that she's really really good Kenan by the way sidebar getting off track right away good if osaka doesn't play australian open which is kind of in the air we don't know kenan will be the only former australian open champ in the draw really mm. on the women's side yeah makes i mean that no is Wozniacki, a... no kerber no serena yeah can i just say you brought the stats today oh azarenka uh, azarenka sorry that's wrong oh azarenka yeah that's, won, azarenka so that's won. the other one still you're bringing but, you're bringing the heat but, i like yeah. it so just a quick fact again robin montgomery 18 years old she went 21 and 6 from september onwards at the end of last season four of those six losses yeah. were three set losses and they're losses to players like three sets to brangle and straight sets to golf she lost a match to ursula Ridwanska as well like there were some veteran losses but a lot of success 60 k's 125 k's now the question for me is can she make the jump from a rankings perspective will there be enough points on her resume compared to some of the higher ranked americans because again you have 14 top 100 americans who are all going to get to play 250 level events and higher and as such they don't have to do as well as robin montgomery does to narrow that deficit that said she's absolutely her Haley Baptiste is still young enough to qualify in that category. Katrina Scott, another player who I would put in that category. Emma Navarro, obviously coming off of the University of Virginia, where she was probably the best player in women's college tennis the past two years. She has no points to defend, essentially, uh, through the month yeah, of she's June. I think there's a really fun young group of players who Montgomery qualifies as, and I don't have her as 10 on my list, uh, but... I, I, she was in my honorable mention and in a group. I lied. I have more honorable mentions than I said because there was a lot of names considered. You know what they say, though. Fool me once. Shame on you. 
Fool me twice. Shame on me. You want to hear my number 10 pick, or are you ready to give me the uh, one more? Well, yeah. I just want to say one more thing about Montgomery before I wrap up. It's just the DC thing. JTCC, DC baby. Is so deep right now. Obvious, obviously, yes. Obviously, JTCC is a, not 99% of this. But Francis Tiafo, Dennis Kudla, obviously people know. Uh, Baptiste. Haley Baptiste, you just mentioned. Baptiste is also from DC. Montgomery. Clervin Agonier uh, is also from DC. Like, there's just a lot of depth of talent there, and it's 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 really it's cool a to very see. very fun if, uh, area. And if you're in that area, I love DC. It's probably my favorite city in the world. Um, but that's a conversation. Yeah, it's a conversation for another time. All right, my number ten. Maybe this is just a troll for the haters. It was between two people. I was like, am I gonna go with Kenan or am I gonna go with Ann Lee? I'm gonna go with Ann Lee. I just think this season was the year from hell for Ann Lee. And when you look at what she was actually able to accomplish, like, again, towards the end of last season, there was so much encouragement with how well she was playing. End of 2021, excuse me, with how well she was playing. She makes the semifinals in Melbourne to start the year, and it looks like, all right, we are going to be rocking and rolling. But then, of course, injuries really slowed her down throughout the course of really March through, I don't know, the end of September, start of October. Like, she did not play that much tennis through the meat and potatoes portion of the calendar. But you look at her to end the season, semifinals at the Midland 125K, which, you know, obviously an event near and dear to my heart. She goes and plays a couple of 125Ks. Mm-hmm. Only makes round of 16 in Buenos Aires and Montevideo, but three set losses for her in those two round of 16 matches. I'm just betting on the pedigree. I'm betting on her ability to strike the ball. The fact that she's still 22 years old, but at number 129 in the rankings, it's just a little bit easier for her to make that jump back up. And again, she's outside the top 15 Americans right now. That said, if you're asking, you know, where do I think she belongs? More towards her 2022 season or more like 2021? I think 2021 was the pathway, uh, was just the more accurate barometer of the sort of talent that she possesses. And, you know, again, you look back at that 2021 season, she went 25 and 14 overall, had a bunch of success, 15 and seven against top 100 players in 2021. You put together a season like that before your age, 22, 23, and injuries play a huge role in why 2022 didn't go successfully. I still believe in Ann Lee's ability to strike a tennis ball. She's number 10 on my list. Did she crack yours or no? She did not, but she was an honorable mention, and I think that she's actually, like, I, I give you no stick at all for the Anley pick at number two. I would very minimal stick for number two. Two, number two's yeah, over that's me. That's year, the but not like, But I had, I, had, I, had, I had her at six. She was absolutely fast rising. All the fundamentals are there. Uh, sophomore slump kind of classic year for mm-hmm. Anley, as it turned out, in 2022. Uh, narrow miss for me. I kind of just tried to go a little bit more outside the box, but I think she was actually a pretty inside-the-box pick just because, you know, number 44 – uh, career high within the last yeah. year, roughly. Like there's, no, or maybe or late 2021. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. safe. I think that she's going to be above, like by Ann Lee stock yeah. for sure. She's going up in the rankings almost certainly. Where exactly she finds her cruising altitude, TBD. Well, but can I throw to, one more spicy right take now. at you? I think all top ten of okay. these Americans on the women's side and on the men's side, to be honest, I think they're all going to be top sixty. Like, I think we will end 2023 with at least 10 top 60 players. and That's how it is currently. I mean, currently, yeah, currently that's yeah, what it is. So maybe so. it's not that spicy on the women's side, but... Top 11 yeah, in the top 60 Yeah, exactly. Right I just, like, fits, so. you look at the depth, like, Baptiste. I mean, if Kennan's healthy, she won a Grand Slam title. We know what she's capable of from an upside perspective. And just, like, again, all these different names that I left off my list... 
that I don't feel great about leaving off looking at it now. No, there's you had to make some tough tough yeah. cuts this year. I mean, like it, this is a it's a very loaded. I think very, we might have twenty plus. Do you group. think we're gonna hit twenty? If I gave you the over under is seventeen and a half Americans in the top one hundred to end twenty twenty three. Are you taking the over or the under? Seventeen and a half, by the way, feels like the right number. There's yeah, it's currently fourteen. Yeah. Um, you say maybe two dropout. Yeah, uh, that's that's a yeah. lot. That's a lot. I would take an under on seventeen and a half, but like it's in okay. that ballpark. I'm going to take the over. Uh, that's another okay. side bet between us that we'll use to factor who wins this year's conversation. You say over, I say sure. under. All right. With that in mind, hit me with number nine. My number nine is currently number fourteen on the list. It's had it surging at the end of the year. Got top hundred. Uh, someone who was very much on radar uh, a few years ago, and then kind of dropped off as a singles player. Katie McNally. Um, I just like the steady progress. I, I think she, you know, should be someone in that sort of like 50 to 70 kind of range that we're talking about being where this list would, would be, uh, you know, she's got a lot of talent and it's nice to see it come together. Played really well in Ostrava, three exclamation points. Um, and yeah, I, I just think she's a somewhat, you know, she's still young. That's the thing. Like as much as it seems like we were introduced to her and then she kind of plateaued or disappointed. I'm sure she was disappointed by her results, honestly. Um, the last few years, uh, she's only 21. I, I like where she's at. I'm picking Katie McNally. As Is Katie nine. McNally the oldest 21 year old you've ever seen? Because I, I really do feel like, again, she has been a part of the tennis ecosystem for five years and it helps to be a top 25 doubles player and certainly all the junior slam well, success. Here. You know who else is 21? It- is Anisimova, who's been around yes, forever. Yes, it's nuts. I, I, Anisimova is like yeah. barely older than my younger brother, which is always my litmus test for how old are you actually. Um, and it's just like okay. it's crazy to me that all these generation of players, McNally, Anisimova, I mean, Goff's still 18. Like that's a number you yeah. see. And you're like, I, my favorite is that Sabalenka is still 24. I'm like, that's not true. I'm like, Sabalenka has to be wow. at least 32. Like that's just a lie. Um, but you want to hear something great, Ben? We have overlap. Katie McNally, number nine on my list as well. And you know I like the stats. You know I like the numbers. Last year, the average top 50 WTA player, according to Tennis Abstract, held 70.9% of the time. You look for Katie McNally, she held 76.3% of the time. All that is to just enunciate, she has elite weapons. The first serve, the first forehand, her ability to move forward, which, by the way, very much manifests itself in her doubles results. This is someone who has competed in double slam finals, plural, um, she's a winner, yeah. and she's been a winner in every age group throughout the course of her career, and I believe in the weapons. I believe in the physicality. I actually saw her make more returns last season. You look at her from a break percentage standpoint, that break percentage got significantly higher for her last season than it had ever been on the WTA Tour level. You just you can't fake weapons. The, the more I watch professional tennis and i've been doing this podcast for five years now uh this podcast is officially potty trained thank god um i just i believe in it like i i believe in her weapons i believe in her her mentality that hit through all issues and to your point ostrava three exclamation points she was excellent in the win over mukova in the four and four loss to Iga, and to see her make a couple of semifinals and that and you know win the midland title to end the year it's just it you know, I'm not going to make the same mistake I made with Ann Lee and say she's going to finish as the number two American. But if I tell you next year Katie McNally ends the year top 50 and she's just now in all the big events, like all the 1,000 levels, all the 500, she doesn't have to worry about qualifying anymore. 
that feels like the step for her to take in 2023. So I completely agree with you. She is my number nine. You're number eight, Ben Rothenberg. So, like I said at the beginning, I am going a little this bit spicy here. This is what I here. like. This is, actually, this is actually not a spicy pick by rankings currently, but I cannot imagine this player is in your top 10. Uh, she is currently number 10, and it is Madison Brangle, who I just think I adore watching Madison Brangle play tennis. I Nothing will make me tune in fast enough. I see Brangle's up like 6-love, 2-love. Um, it's like a 60K. You know, like, I just, I love seeing her be a veteran, unwind people, watching her, like, beat Yastrzemska. Unwind, the by the way, great, was, great was pun, amazing. because, you know, and I've said this to her face, Madison Briggle has never met a bottle of wine she doesn't enjoy, so carry on. Oh, yeah, of course. She, she, she's, she's a bonky bonky. A legendary very wine underrated, Very underrated uh, Instagram yeah, presence, sure. actually. She's, she's Her cooking on there, she looks like a good cook, very, very dedicated cook. Uh, just enjoying life on tour. She's going to be turning 33 next year. She is kind of, was kind of a late bloomer. She was a big talk about junior, then really did struggle to get her footing on the tour. But once she did, circa you know 2015 or so, she's just been just a consummate pro, and she's really good. This is a rankings prediction. She's really good at finding rankings points and going down and dropping down and playing the 60Ks and getting the points that she needs to stay afloat to get into the premieres that she wants to play and get the money there. Very, very savvy player in person, on court and off. And, yeah, I'm looking at where I think she's going to finish, roughly. And I don't see more than seven Americans ahead of her, roughly. And and this could go wrong. You know, she's obviously older. She could get hurt or something. Who knows? I hope she stays well. And she plays a physical kind of tennis. So the end will come for her at some point. But I like one more year Brengle. And, you know, I when I saw that she was in the top ten, and it looked like I had a lack of faith in her and didn't pick Brengle. I mean, like, it's one of those things. Like, I used to always pick, you know, Kudla or Smeechek or whatever, number 10 or 9. <laughs> in the old days of the list. And Brangle is that kind of that kind of strata for me of just being someone who is underrated and off radar, but who's like just stealthy, stealthy solid. And I think the barometer she sets is is I where I calibrate it right now, I have yeah. her at eight. It could be twelve, it could be fourteen in the end, but I think she's gonna she's be She's in, in my the honorable mention. I have her at eight. I watched her break Ekaterina Alexandrova last year in Cleveland. Like just mentally Alexandrova yeah. looked at her coaching box and at one point was like, what the f- am I supposed to do and it was absolutely delightful and just you need the contrast you need that presence on the WTA tour with all the ball bashing and the big hitting the person who's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts that's Madison Brangle now she is not on my list she was right off on the honorable mentions because I just think with the amount you know again I know the old adage, talent only beats hard work. uh, Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Madison Brangle is a workhorse. Like, she's going to put in the hours. She's going to make you work two and a half hours to beat her each and every match. But just, like, structurally, the serve. Credit to her. Again, she's been top 100 for, like, eight years now consecutively at some point. And she has worked her way through all these different maybe inherent issues she has in her games. I'm going with Sloane Stevens, number eight, on my list. And you look for Sloane right now, who I believe is currently ranked sixth overall. She's currently number 37. 
See, I could see her having another status quo year, staying in that 37 range, and still being this low on the on the list, because I do think there are some young Americans just on the precipice of popping uh, throughout the course of this season. And look, 2022 was a stabilizing year for Sloan Stevens, after someone who has just had a brutal run during the pandemic, right? 4-11 during the 2020 season. Things start out miserably. She loans, mm. uh, loses five of her first six uh, through the course of 2021. She regained her form here in 2022, 18 and 17 overall. Now, again, was a little bit injured, didn't get to play that many uh, matches. I, 35 sounds like a big number, but they kind of came in bunches. Quarterfinal Roland Garros, she wins the title in Guadalajara to start the year, makes the quarterfinals of Guadalajara to end the year. I just, again, do I see the week-in, week-out grind for her? Like, do I see this as someone who I think is going to rack up 50, 60, maybe 60-plus matches throughout the course of the year, the way so many of these younger names who are in the midst, you know, we talk about the generational shift happening. You can see it certainly in American women's tennis as well with these younger names on the rise. I just don't think she'll have the match count to be as highly ranked as some of these other Americans I would point to. And again, like, I think she's going to be top 50 to end the year. But I have her at number eight on my list. She's one of the trickiest people for me to assess. Like I said, last year I put her at number one, and I don't regret that pick. I think that she has still, honestly, if everyone is at their best, she might still be the best American in, in, wow. my, in my grade. Like I just think I think her upside is so huge. And I think that like peak mm. Sloan is obviously she won a slam. Yeah. Like she's such an unreal athlete and she can attack, she can defend, she can do it all. But the the engagement and the sort of motivation seem and, and attention on tennis is it seems wavering honestly and just it it's you know is what it is with Sloan like you're gonna you you can't she's not a bankable person week in week out and there are gonna be some highs gonna be some lows you mentioned that 2020 season she played one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life when she lost in in uh, Adelaide to Arena Rodionova two and two just one of the worst matches I've ever seen a professional hmm. tennis player put on on court. And, uh, you know, but, but the highs are obviously there too. And, and at the French Open, like, yeah, I thought she could have, should have made that final when she got golf and then went to play Trevis on. And Sammy is like, yeah, I think Sloan, you maybe could have, should have made that final of the French Open. Like, uh, she's maybe got another slam in her. I wouldn't rule it out. I have her at number okay. six this year. Um, I think that, you know, she's in the mix. I could see her being number one. I could see her falling out of the top 10. I... You know, her engagement, I will say something, you know, this is a factory women's tennis. Um, I saw that she's talked openly about getting her, her eggs frozen okay. as saying something that she wants to do to plan ahead for the future, um, which which to me is a level of commitment to saying, hey, I still got I still want to get more out of my tennis. I, I don't want to be, you know, cutting short my career. I want to get more out of this. And so we'll see how that plays out um, in her career, you know, going forward. There is some she feels like she has unfinished business on some level in the sport, which is good to see. Um and and let's yeah for me it's just a question of what this sort of engagement fire hunger is going to be and that's always the end with sloan but she's a, a big value add for the sport and a rare sort of through line of continuity in this era of change in women's tennis she's a slam champ who's still around and good for the game to have her in american tennis very well said 
like again, six, eight, I still think she's going to stay status quo from, yeah, exactly difference. from a rankings perspective. Yeah. The big concern for me, she had a career high first serve percentage, 70.7%, career low hold percentage, 62.8, which is about 8% below the average of a top 50 player. The service concerns are real, and I, I think that's something that's been persistent throughout the course of this era. And again, if you don't have the easy weapons nowadays, life just becomes that much more difficult. All right. We have uh, another name off the board for you, so that's your six. I'm going to lead with my seven now here. I have. Cl- oh, is that what well, we're doing? Well, just okay. again, we okay, just sure. it's a little switch up here. Well, just a little a little fastball here, and then we can play catch up by the time yeah. we get to six. Yeah, yeah. I have Claire Lou as number seven on my list. I'm all in on Claire Lou. Like I love the pot. Well, first of all, I've had the chance to work with her. Sweetest human in the world. Like just so kind and so thoughtful and so determined to become the best version of herself and look Claire Lou is not 5'8 5'9 5'10 this physical specimen that life comes so easy for and yet her contact point is gorgeous and her ability to generate power it's just very easy for her across surfaces and you look for Claire Lou in 2022 she was really consistent throughout the course of the year 29 and 22 overall obviously had a really good run in May winning the Paris 125k making the final in Rabat back to back She's now ranked number 59 in the world. This is going to be her first year where she gets to worry less about playing qualifying, more about just getting into the big events. I think there's some low-hanging fruit for her in terms of points to pick up from a ranking perspective because there's a lot of qualifying wins for the first three months and not a ton of points for her to defend. I believe in her game as a top 75 game, certainly. She has the pedigree as well. I'm in on Claire Lou. She's stepping on my list. You know, she was eight on your list yeah. last year, so you've been in on Claire Lou. I had her at 10 last year. I don't have her on my list this year, just purely out of mischief. Okay. I just went for some spicier picks, and, you know, the Montgomery's and who I have at number seven, you're going to hear in a second. Like, Lou's a very bankable, but, like, should be top 10. She's 11 currently. Like, yeah, like, there's no reason to think that she won't be top 10 except for my, my, <laughs> uh, just not putting her. Honestly, she's my honorable mention, and, and she, one of my honorable mentions, and, um, yeah. yeah, I, 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 yeah, everything you said. She's well just said. solid. My number seven, again, a, a riskier pick. And this is risky just because, again, for some sort of more extreme versions of what I said about Sloan, maybe. Like, just not a very frequent presence on tour, this player. Um, my number seven, going big on this player, is currently 19 in the American ladder, is Taylor Townsend. Wow. And Taylor has, like, been a kind of a part-timer, right? Like, she's kind of... In some, she does a little bit of Brangley stuff. She plays a bunch of 60Ks, gets points there. But, like, if she plays a full-time schedule, and she's 26 years old, and I don't know if she ever really wants to, honestly, be that kind of full-time player. Like, she skipped the grass season entirely this year when she's good on grass. Um, just because she wanted to – she played a lot of clay, time off. You know, she's a kid, da-da-da-da-da. Um, but, like, if she keeps trending up, you know, making that US Open doubles final, I was very impressed by. I, her fitness has actually been better than ever in her career since she's coming back from maternity leave. Uh I just think the upside is there and wanted to do something a little bit spicy. So Townsend at seven is my like kind of Hail Mary, my Cressy pick <laughs> okay. of, of this year, I think is Townsend. Um, and I'm guessing she's not so on your list. So she's in my I... honorable mentions and she's a former world junior number one. And the skill set is, right. you know, I had a professor at the University of Michigan where Ben and I both attended. Shout out the Wolverines. Go blue. By the way, can you name who we play in the playoff on Saturday? Uh, the Norris. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo. That is correct. The TCU Horde Frogs. Shout out to you. Deep college was... tennis knowledge there. I um, did You see the thing with Luka Doncic? The 60, 21, and 10? He was talking about that. 
No, I don't okay. care about that. The thing where he was at a press conference. Oh, yes, he he scores a lot of points and does whatever. Great. Overtime asterisk. Okay. Anyway, um, he was saying he has a uh, a horny toad. Okay. He says. Okay. He says. So it's like what? Like I should have brought my horny toad because he was protecting yeah. a cowboy or something <laughs> in the game. Um, and it's like I should brought my horny the toad. The horn frog, of like, course. Yeah, yeah, the horny toad, whatever. Horny frog, whatever. He says. And uh, it's like, why do you have that? Like a TCU thing. It's like, I am a Texan. <laughs> <laughs> like all Texans have a horny yeah. toad or whatever. Uh, anyway, so that was no, Luka Doncic. It's great. Horned, horned, it's great. Uh, ben sorry. Rothenberg, noted basketball fan. Um, yeah, look, Townsend's a great pick. Uh, I, I do like again the skill set, just different. The leftiness, the angles, the the willingness to move forward. Again, how many matches will she play throughout the course of the year? The reason I bring that up is That's that we question. spent a lot of time together, Taylor Townsend and I, this past year in the Tennis Channel studios, and like. It's a cushy gig, and if that's the gig available to you, she has a young kid, obviously, as well. How appealing is the travel grind? Not to be, you know, again, not to be rude, but, like, it's I just kind of hope that, like, she, like, and, again, she does what she wants for life. Follow your bliss, Taylor. Do what you want. Um, And the the tennis Taylor gig is a good gig for her. Um, But, like, I would like to see her just purely as a fan. I would love to see her just, like, have a season where it's like, you know what? I'm going to go all in and see what I can do. And why not now? You know, like, this is an eight, while, while your kid's still, like, portable and kind of an infant a bit, or toddler, before they start school, go and play a full schedule. See if, what you can max out. Like, don't be don't be leaving cards on the table, right? And I feel like that's kind of what she's done a lot. She hasn't really tried to fully push, plug, go all in. Uh, mixing a lot of metaphors here. Uh, Welcome back. It's cards. good to have you. And yeah and you know what i mean like i just i would love to see like and and this is something a little bit maybe you could say that kyrios is doing a bit on the men's side it's a very different analogy kyrios this year is kind of committing kind of actually daring to care and i'm not saying that taylor doesn't care they're very different players different athletes and people and almost always but see what you can do like i just feel like part of her is always holding herself back and just again purely as a fan as someone who just likes watching her play i would love to see her try to find her full potential and i think it'd be really high and so she's number number seven which is again uh probably uh a risky pick i knew it was a risky pick when i made it but i i i want to have that written in my honorable mentions is taylor townsend as well so i have no issues with that pick all right we move on to my number six to catch up with you you already gave us sloan stevens here's the first big name on the table that i know you're going to get excited about i have alicia parks all the way up at number six in my list i imagine she's probably five for you she She's yeah, I knew we were going to get close. You make the case then for Parks because, again, I feel like you have been on this bandwagon even earlier than most people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I mean, obviously just she got my attention when she set the record for the fastest mm-hmm. serve ever at the U.S. Open uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and that was maybe she was like a major wild card or something. She lost first round but buzzed after the match about her serve. Uh, and then I saw her for the first time up close this year in Berlin mm-hmm. at the grass tournament there. And she was playing on an outer court, like no fans, like a lot of this court, weird kind of setup venue. Uh, she was playing against uh, Zhang Chin Wen, Queen Wen, to her fans, a big, obviously rising star, big hipster pick. And Parks was just like bullying her around the court. Parks was like, the serve was huge. The game was huge. She's a very um, sort of like, uh, what's the word, best word to use for it? The, the, the mood and the emotion are kind of all over okay. the place. 
like she's she's a kind of stormy player to watch sure. sometimes. I think just in terms of in terms of uh, her presence and her attitude on court. I think that actually got better by the time I saw her, like in Ostrava, where she made that great run and had a lot of good wins. She beat a lot of different kinds of players there, like beating both Sakari and Pliskova, I believe, in the same week. Like you have range of beating both those kinds of players, at, on tour level. Um, the raw weapons are really really big, and you can't you can't fake that kind of power, that kind of serve. That service probably is arguably already the best women's tennis right now. Maybe, like it's it's really it's a big good conversation. That said, like that said, she has, uh, um, you know, she played well in Berlin and played Shabur tough in the round after I saw her. I think in the second round, I want to say, and then she like played pretty horrible for the next several weeks. Like she lost bad. I was like Wimbledon quality. I was like, I'm going to watch parks. They great, like hyping up parks, parks, parks. And then she like really kind of flopped at Wimbledon qualities and then didn't play well, like for several, several weeks until kind of resurfacing in Ostrava. So she's going to run hot and cold in this limited sample size I've seen of her. Uh, the highs will be high. The lows could be low. Uh, it's going to be a fun ride. Uh, but yeah, I think it balances out to, to somewhere around five. You have her at six. I mean like, yeah, just definitely like one to watch for sure. A lot, a lot of people probably have not seen her play uh, unless you're watching ostrava three exclamation points and yeah i i just am i think that a lot of people you talk about like claire lou who i don't have right claire lou will never do the things that parks can do Mm -hmm. on court and just at a certain level like it comes down to winning those kinds of um you know she works on the server i'm sure but some sort of physical gifts and winning the genetic lottery on some level like you just have to those things you can't fake. And so she has very well things. said to your point about the ups and downs. She lost three matches or more consecutively four different times this season, including a moment where she lost seven yeah. out of eight and eight out of 10 matches right smack dab in the middle of the season. She also won 13 of her last 14 matches to end the year and had that run in Osterval right prior to that. And scheduled hard. Very hard. Like back to back 125. So... She beat Naskova. She beat Buska. She beat Jung Shui. She beat Von Drusova. She beat Friedsum. Those are five really freaking good wins. Like you're right. Am I right that she? Am I right that she is not main draw direct in Australia despite being top hundred? I believe I think so because Angers wouldn't have counted, and Andorra probably didn't count either. So I do believe you're correct that she is not yeah. in the main draw. Of I think she's close, close, but I think she might not be main draw, and she's not going to get a wild card because they already gave yeah. one to Venus. We haven't mentioned Venus. Uh, but Venus is, uh, I don't think she's near. Nor my honorable probably. mention. Uh, not n- not mine either, but she's playing Australia. Uh, good for her. And But she's getting a wild card. Also, Taylor Townsend, I believe, is still getting the U.S. reciprocal. So they're not going to give a third wild card yeah. to an American. That'd you ready to play crazy. the hold percentage game? Um, Again, average hold percentage, 70.9%. What do you think Alicia Parks is at? 82.1, which, by the way, I've told you before about Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. It's a working title. We'll get there. Don't worry, listeners. Uh, that's transcendent power. That's a non-negotiable weapon yeah. you bring to every match that you play. And go watch the Ostrava film. Yes, it was three sets against Sakari, 0-6 against Pliskova. She was the better player in both of those matches. And yeah. you flash that, yeah. you're not even 23 years old yet, and she turns 23. At, you know, she's not even 22 yet. She Birthday's coming up in two days. This is our early gift to you. We have you as a top 10 American, Alicia, and in the <laughs> 2023 season. You said it perfectly. Like, very well said. She's six for me. She's five for you. Five for me is Madison Keys. And it's just because... She's my okay, four. We're kind of... We're rocking and rolling. Yeah. So, again, make the case for Madison Keys. Well, you were, I want to say, just to brag for myself a bit here, uh, you were way under on Okay, but can year. I give you a, you, can you I push Can I push back? If she doesn't make the Australian Open semifinal, doesn't she finish around nine? Because, like, she was the 
third best player in the world in the month of January, and then she wasn't for the next ten months until Cincinnati when she was no, again. No, take away like what? Like that's like what? Like seven hundred points for yeah, Sammy? something like that. She finishes like six. So no, okay, but you were closer wrong. to me than. But like, oh, if you take away if you if you take away her best results, no, she's I'm worse. saying okay, she had she had there. two exceptional tournaments in 2022, and those two tournaments are a testament to why you can never write Madison Keys off because if she's healthy, she's fit, she's serving well. That you mentioned Stevens is the highest upside of any player. I would disagree with you. I still think the best version of Madison Keys, the absolute best version, is the best American women's tennis player probably we have right now you just don't see that best very frequently you do see ups and downs and that's why to me like five feels about right because there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there's a bunch of first round losses we can get into oh i have her at four i mean we're we're, we're not we're not dissimilar sure. i'm just saying i think you you were low on her yeah. last time uh the the thing with key, like keys i i think it's just a very solid player like deserves to be up there like seeing her take care be very business-like at united mm-hmm. cup satisfying like she's just a pro veteran like i think it's interesting to think about her admit this is unfair but like two sort of like career perspectives on her like bluntly like she has not had the success in her career that people predicted for her when she was a teenager um is that fair or unfair i don't know i'm just putting it out there in terms of talking about madison keys uh she she was very very highly rated prospect had a lot of pressure on her shoulders and a lot of potential and some of the things that she needed to improve never totally got improved and other things were just so good. It did improve at points and regressed and back and forth. This was a big step up year, especially a big step up January for her uh, last year when she won Adelaide, the 250, and then won uh, in the semis of Australia. So, yeah, hot and cold. Uh, I have her at four. She could absolutely make a slam semi, even a slam final again. I would love to see her her go a step further and, and be one of those players who's in that mix. To, if I said that set the bar for women winning a slam, he's absolutely one of the people who I – and factoring in in my calculations about who can get that done for America, like she's in that mix for sure. She can beat anybody. Um, it's just a question of you know steadiness, which is always, this, the story just hasn't changed such a Madison Keys totally over the years, which is kind of kind of no. Remarkable. I just I, yeah, she looked really good yesterday in her United Cup victory. Looked pretty darn solid against yep. Marie Buzkova, and again she went eleven and two last year in win. Australia. It's a very good win. Uh, the thing to me is she's ranked eleventh. Like. How? I just, like, when I, I I can't believe it when I look at her last year. And I know, again, semifinals, obviously, of the Australian Open, semifinals of Cincinnati. No, but here's the thing. Women's tennis had a weird It was year weird. It was because, very weird. There was a huge— Because, there was, because Shiontek, yeah, one tier one. Shiontek exactly. sucked up so exactly. much of the of the points. She was the—if like, the, you want to call them t- whatever tiers yeah. you're making up. Shiontek was in the league of her own. She had double She was the only tier two, one player last shipper. year. There were, also no, there were also no points from Wimbledon, which also screwed yeah. up the math. Like, and so— keys yeah like but just generally honestly i thought the tour was not very strong last year outside of shviantek and and barty when she was her brief cameo appearance on the tour the bar was kind of low like seeing like what uh it took to get into uh fort worth for the year in championships the bar was just kind of low like it just didn't feel like the players who were there or even got close like kuder matova narrowly narrowly missed got within one match making that field of the final eight and like what did she do last year like that's not much crazy. so uh and so anyway so so the bar was just kind of it was a weird year in women's tennis uh keys despite that did not get into the top finish in the mm-hmm. top 10 um she could have but she had an up and down year anyway i've heard four we know keys yeah, I don't even talk by the way she's an established I quantity. Just, like i'm looking at my top four and i'm thinking which of these names did you leave out because this is fascinating number four to me is jessica pagula 
And I'm a little bit afraid that that's going to yeah. be the name you oh, – afraid. I don't know why I'm afraid. Do whatever you want. But I think that's the – Be very <laughs> afraid. No. No, I have Pagula okay. too. And I I undersold Pagula last mm-hmm. year. And Well, so uh, let me well, frame Pagula it like this. We, we had her at three and she was, was at say, one. Let me frame it like this for be, you. I think Pagula maximized last year. And we did this in a podcast segment that we recorded earlier We said this the year. exact same thing in 2020 2021. last time. Like – we thought she maximized when she got okay, to like number but, eleven or whatever, and then she maximized again to number three. She, no, but like that's she's such a she's but so that epitomizes so, your point. Like, the vacuum who, at the top of women's tennis last year, yeah, you needed exactly, to be really exactly. good to be at the top. Like if you were just really good all year long, not great, but really good all year long, you were going to be in the mix. And when you describe Jessica Pagula's twenty twenty two season, really good is like the perfect adjective to describe it. She was good. She had everywhere. she had a crazy she had a crazy stat where I did the calculate this at like the thousands plus the slams like she lived up to her seating and there's like what like let's say like 11 of those tournaments currently she lived up her seating at like nine of the 11 tournaments no she lost only only wimbledon i think of the quarterfinals the uh, the quarterfinals she made i believe six of the losses were to barty or Iga, where it's like or the or owns the eventual tournament champion where you're like she beat everyone she was supposed to and then she lost to the champ and that's so yeah. hard. Yes. And that is so hard yes. to do. And she and she does that. And like she's just become so bankable and reliable. And again, singles and doubles, just nothing but respect for her. Like I have her at what? I had three. You said two, two. No, two. I have her at two. And just just kind of, you know, I don't I think that's gonna I think she probably won't finish as high as number three this year, uh, to be at number two, but I think she could still be a top fifteen player for sure. And and yeah, I Well yeah. that means and again, Jessica Pagula, one of the Eight players to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage last season on the WTA Tour. I expect that to sustain. Do I think she's elite at any individual thing? Maybe as a mover or from a physicality standpoint, if you need to go two and a half hours, Jessica Pagula is ready to go two and a half hours for the sake of the match. She's going to put a million returns in play. She's been a top 10 returner over the course of the past two and a half years. Really been one of the, her and Jabur have been the biggest winners of this pandemic era of the WTA Tour and how they've steadied themselves and their presences at the top of the WTA rankings, it's just like she has so many points to defend everywhere. It's just like Indian Wells, quarterfinal. Yeah. Miami, well, they're quarterfinal. Very steadily spread. Yeah, it, they're very exactly. steadily spread. But it's just hard because it's like, okay, I have a bad – let's say she has a bad March or like a bad April where the clays or the sunshine swing doesn't go well. Now she's at a deficit because she had a ton of points from that. No, no, no. no but no, that's the thing. She's diversified her portfolio. I think that actually – Well, you're I, right, but I, I agree with you, but I, I'm position. saying I think she's going to stay top 20. She's number four on my freaking list. Like, obviously, I think she's going to be good next yeah. year. I'm saying for her to be number one next year, there's just not as much low-hanging fruit as there is for some of these other players that I have in my top three. As such, I'm 100% sure, Ben. I'm putting the Gruskin guarantee that the player that's outside of your top ten – is Danielle Collins, who's number three on my list. Is the Gruskin guarantee worthwhile? Yes, yes. I know, Ben. Folks, let me just say, I spent so many f***ing hours listening to Ben and Courtney on the bus. I know how Ben thinks. David Kane gets mad at me now because I can predict what he's going to say as well. Because I'm like, David, David. We've spent roughly 24 hours together in podcasting alone. Like, I know what you're thinking. Um, can I make the case for her, and then I'll let you make the case for why not? Danielle Collins last year. Let me just ask you this, Ben. How many matches do you think Danielle Collins played on her way to that number 14 ranking? 
played 33 total matches. Very good guess by you. Prices, right yeah. rules. You're going to the showcase round. Um, 21 and 12 overall throughout the course of last year. Six of those 21 wins came in Australia. Like she made Australian Open final, Miami quarterfinals, U.S. Open round of 16, San Diego semifinals. Like, those are really the only points she has to defend. And obviously, in 2021, we saw her go on that three, four-week, five-week run where in lieu of playing the Olympics, she played a bunch of smaller events, had a ton of success. Now, a bunch of injuries last year prevented her from doing a sort of similar thing, and she only did play 33 matches. And for what it's worth, Danielle Collins just turned 29 years old. She does turn 30 at the end of next year. She's got the college tennis four years that or three years, whatever it was. I think it was four years that she played uh, Florida and the University of Virginia, a couple of NCAA singles titles. See how I have to make up for not knowing how long she played by saying what she did when she did play. That's called compensation, my friend. But like when she was healthy, Mm -hmm. Danielle Collins was one of three players. It was Iga, it was Barty, it was her, who was ranking top 15 in both hold and break percentage throughout the course of 2022. And it's just like, when she was healthy, her best was as good as anyone's best. Now, I imagine the reason she's outside of the top 10 for you is that she wasn't healthy, but I think she is going to be. I'm going to bet on her health, and I'm going to bet on her finishing number three. Look, like I just had to make. I, I had a lot of spicy picks to get in here. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're putting in someone like a Robin Montgomery, you got to be making some subtractions. And for me, I just looked at Collins and just see her as just not a steady. Like I would not, to use the stock analogy, I would not buy Collins at her current okay. price because just the the really uh, scattered schedule of missing time and various health issues she's had. You know, I'm rooting for her. I obviously want her to surpass this and would love for her. I think she's also in the conversation to be that slam champ I talked about, actually, despite not having her in my top 10. I think she can do it. I think peak Collins is unreal. Like, go watch what she did to Iga Svantec in the Australian Open semifinals last year. Like, peak Collins is really scary good player. And just seeing her hit return winners at will is is delightful. Her return winners at will. Uh, yeah, like, she, I, I think her upside is great. But just, like, in terms of risk assessment, which is a lot of what we do on this list, you know, like you had Brady on your list last year and she didn't play a match. Like, you know, like we'll get to Opelka, who's in the on the men's side later. Like he's been on crutches for a while. Like what do we, what's, what's he going to do? We don't know. Like, you know, so there's there's some things to do. And I just look at, at Collins and the lack of being able to play a full schedule despite starting so strong this year um, and the various different types of issues. And I just I, I wasn't confident enough in her um, to I thought there was a the, the downside was kind of mm-hmm. high with her, basically. Yeah. Like, I think there's a real chance she's out of the top 10, which from not playing and upside's huge. She's one of the riskiest bets on here. And so even if she is currently up there, I think the volatility is very high. Both ways. Very well said. Then our last two names are going to be the same. They're my top two. They're your one in three. I'm going to guess that you have Goff number one and Anisimova number three. Am I correct? You're correct, and I'm glad that you have Anisimova on your list this year because you left well, her off last so year. Well, so Anisimova's number one on my list, and let's get into that spice first. Whoa! When, Anisim- yeah, Whoa. when Amanda Anisimova was healthy last season, she was also one of those players who was top 15 in both hold and break percentage. And when you look at Amanda Anisimova's record last season, what she was actually able to accomplish, Amanda Anisimova, throughout the course of the 2022 season— 33 and 14, Ben. You look amongst the win percentage of top 50 players, Anisimova ranked fourth on the WTA Tour last year, winning 71.7% of her matches. Now, you want to go with the strength of schedule argument? Fine. Anisimova 9 and 8 against the top 20 opponents that she faced, 4 and 3 against the top 10 opponents that she faced. 
no one has ever denied the talent. No one has ever denied the weapons. Now, obviously, in terms of off-court things, injuries, losing her father, all these different issues, it's been a really tough two and a half years for Amanda Anisimova. I just go back to watching her at the Australian Open last year where she was legitimately better than Benchich. She was better than Osaka. In my opinion, she came closer to beating Ashley Barty than anyone else in the draw. I just think this is the year where all the pieces come together and we see that top 10, the first of multiple top 10 seasons for Amanda Nisimova. Obviously, you have her at three, so you don't disagree too, uh, you don't disagree that much with me. Uh, what, a, what would be your biggest reservation for why she'd be three and not one? Just golf's that good. No, I mean, I'm gonna start with the. I'm gonna start with the enthusiasm because yeah. I mean, she's what currently at 23 in the rankings five. overall, fifth amongst Americans. Currently a five in the American ladder, so I have her at three. That's moving up. I mean, as someone who was traveling the tour to write a book about Naomi Osaka this year, I'm very aware of how good Amanda Samova mm-hmm. has been, uh, beating her at the first two slams of the year, um, including that first round match at the French Open, um, and saving match points against her. That was, I mean, that was a that was a coin flip match. That that Anisimova Osaka uh, third round Australia. Uh, was was a big was was very tight. It was, I wouldn't say that Anisimova was clearly the better player, whatever you said. Sure. Um, but you know, uh, she's she's been great and she's developing steadily. And she had a tough break last year with the thing with Darren Cahill at at the Indian Wells when he left suddenly abruptly as her coach, um, having some burnout and going home. Uh, that was a tough tough twist for her. But she's yeah recovered and just is solid. And and I think that you know I don't know like about her being number one. Who did she lose? She's also somebody I think she should not have in Paris. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who it was. Is it? Fernandez, three sets. Or... Oh, Fernandez. Fernandez. Yeah, I would like to see her win that match. If she wins that match, then she probably beats Trevisan, and then she gets to the semis again, and then she gets golf in the semis. That'd be great. Um, or yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah, she got golf in the semis. That would have been really cool. Um, but no, I just because I think you have to start talking about golf when you're talking about the, the rankings. So I just uh, golf is is top 10 and still just steadily climbing. And I think that she's, I think golf will stay in the top 10 and she's the only player who I'm kind of really confident of the Americans will be top 10 at the end of next year. Um, everyone else is, has, anything above and Pukula have chances, but I think golf is the kind of, I don't want to say lock, but like the sure, the sure is about to be top 10. So she's my number one. And, and yeah, that's basically about the argument for me. Anisimova played eight matches after Wimbledon last year. Eight. Come on. That's a lot of low-hanging fruit in terms of points to pick up on her resume, and I do think she will sure. be able to do that. Goff, obviously, the French Open final point she has to defend. I just think that's a little bit tougher. But again, she's two on my list, and it wouldn't shock me at all to see. Well, she's but she's about she's about two thousand ranking points sure. behind Goff currently. Like she's ground yeah, to make. Yeah, uh, you're right. But I think the I think the the window of opportunity will be there for Amanda Anisimova. With that said, those are our predictions for the top ten Americans. With that said, Ben Rothenberg, because we went so hard here on part number one, we're going to make it a two-part podcast. We will be back for the American Men Top 10 predictions a little bit later. Any final thoughts before we go? Well, I just want to give a couple of – I didn't Please. see my honorable mentions, yeah. so I didn't get to mention. But um, Bernardo Pera – Shout out on my list. currently number what? Like number yeah. eight. I uh, did not have her uh, – just honestly didn't get to watch a lot of her this year. I wasn't watching the tennis when she was winning in the European clay post Wimbledon. It's not a part of the season I engage with. Uh, so I haven't seen tons of her, but good for her for being in there. I think expect her to be a top a narrow miss for her. And then the other one person who I haven't also seen a ton of, but her good things about a lot is Katie Volinets, uh, mm-hmm. who's another young rising player, only 20. Uh, and she is 15 in the ladder currently, probably will be top 100 next year. Something all goes well for her. Uh, yeah, those are two my two mentions. I didn't have risk. I think risk is probably, you know, 
been kind of up and down. I kind of think it's a down year for risk. Brady, I don't, I mentioned Brady. I, I don't know that she comes back on tour yet. Uh, Kennen is tricky. I mean, Kennen, obviously you got burned real hard by Kennen in 2022, putting her number one. Uh, I'm not going to bet on that stock right now uh, with where, where her current altitude is just not playing well. Uh, I didn't have Claire Lou. I didn't have Ann Lee. didn't have Collins. We talked about them. Um, but yeah. All right. I love it. Yep. All good names on the list. Rogers, Navarro, you know, other people, Baptiste, other people who we have discussed to consider yeah. certainly in the race for this as well. But with all that said, again, we will be back with part two of this conversation, predicting our top 10 American men. I will be sure to tweet out what our top 10s look like so you can decide who won this draft before we have any results to discuss. Of course, with that in mind, a shout out to Ben for joining us here today. A shout out to the birthday boy, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who we love immensely here at Cracked Records and who, as always, has of an earning job to do day in day out with all of that said for the fantastic ben rothenberg our super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin ben here comes the test did you write down what i asked you to say at the end of the podcast and with that in mind then what do we say well before i say it do you want do you think i, I think you do not? have it i have complete faith in you you should. That's, that's I love great. it. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you as always, Betty.